Thank you for listening to Depictions Media Radio. And welcome to today's Provincial COVID-19 Briefing in Surrey. As President and CEO of Fraser Health, I am honoured to welcome Minister Dix and Dr. Bonnie Henry back to our region and to thank them for their ongoing leadership throughout this very challenging time with COVID-19 pandemic. We are conducting our business today on the unceded and traditional shared territories of Katsi, Semiamu, Kwatlan, Coquitlam and Tuasin First Nations. I refer to the 40,000 people that work and volunteer in our region uh, in Fraser Health as Fraser Health family. I'd like to share a few quotes from members of our Fraser Health critical care team. The first one is uh, one of the members that said, the majority of the time we are the last people COVID patients have spent time with and have shared their fears and hopes with and then we carry the burden of their death on our shoulders. The creativity and adaptability of staff have used to provide care and supports one, one other has been really inspiring, but it's not sustainable long-term. Fraser Health Region has borne a disproportionate share of COVID-19 cases in the province. This is in large part because majority of essential workers, workplaces, industries are located in our region. We're also the most populous and densely populated region in the province. As you, know, may, you are likely aware, uh, Fraser Health uh, Hospitals has had the highest number of COVID-19 patients in our uh, acute uh, that are both sicker and younger during this wave. We're doing everything possible to ensure that every patient and family is getting great care. I think Minister mentioned earlier that uh, it's been about 500 days, so more than a year into the pandemic. And Fraser Health family continues to demonstrate tremendous leadership and dedication to safeguard this community by having a robust public health response, including case contact management, expanded testing, and also protecting our vulnerable populations. I also, as the CEO and president of Fraser Health, need to ensure that we're taking care of our caregivers who are experiencing mental, physical, and emotional toll as a result of their extraordinary efforts. Right now, pro protecting our caregivers means registering right away. Every adult 18 years and over are eligible, so please take your time right now to take the three easy steps to get registered, to book your appointment, and to get immunized as soon as, 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 soon as possible. Fraser Health has the capacity to deliver more than 20,000 vaccines a day. We have made great strides in protecting our frontline workers and uh, also uh, in areas of concern where we have had additional transmission or high-risk communities. We have invited all of the police, fire, teachers, bylaw, daycare and grocery store workers as well and that has expanded regionally. I'd like to recognize our local community and government partners as well, our mayors, communities, MLAs, industry networks and organizations. And uh, they have been tremendously helpful throughout the pandemic and continue to support us throughout our immunization efforts. While it remains critical that we continue to follow public health measures, I'd like to remind everyone again for us to put the pandemic behind us 
let's go through the three steps, one being registering, two, booking, and third, uh, getting your shot as soon as you're eligible. So with that, it's my pleasure and privilege to um, invite Dr. Bonnie Henry, our Provincial Health Officer, to the podium. Thank you. Thank you very much and good afternoon. So this is our COVID-19 update for the province of BC and we're very happy to be here in the Fraser Health region today. Um, Today we report 684 new cases of COVID-19 uh, have been uh, diagnosed in the province in the past uh, 24 hours, one of which was an epidemiologically linked case. So that brings our total in the province to 133,619 people uh, diagnosed with COVID-19. Of those, 153 people are in the Vancouver Coastal Health Region, 445 are here in the Fraser Health Region, 17 people are, live on the Vancouver Island Health Region, 52 people live in the Interior Health Region and 27 in the Northern Health Region. That uh, leaves us with uh, 6,802 active cases across British Columbia of whom 457 people are in hospital now, 154 of them in critical care or ICU. And 125,025 people have now recovered from COVID-19. We have no new outbreaks to report today, um, leaving us with four active outbreaks in long-term care assisted living or independent living and three in our acute care facilities. We have one additional death to report um, in the last uh, few days, bringing our toll to 1,595 people who have died from COVID-19 in British Columbia. And as always, our condolences go out to the families, to the caregivers and to the communities. We mourn the loss of each and every individual along with you. We have been reaching another exciting milestone though in our immunization program here in BC. So sometime today, the two millionth dose will have been given to people in British Columbia. This is very good news. So far, um, as of uh, early this morning, we've had 1,995,496 doses of all three of our COVID-19 vaccines administered in British Columbia. And of those, 95,868 uh, were in people who received a second dose. Our immunizations are going up quickly and the ages for those who are eligible for their vaccine is coming down. As of today, anyone 49 years of age and older can book their vaccine. And as well, we're continuing, as uh, Dr. Lee mentioned, with our worker program and our outbreak response using um, immunization as one of the tools. We will continue to share the latest age eligibility in our statements and you can also go to Immunize BC, the BC CDC or Government of BC websites to find the latest information and see where you will stand. But what I can tell you is with the vaccines that we have been receiving this week, we're now in a place where we can move very quickly down these age groups. And so the important thing is for you to be registered so as soon as your age group comes up in eligibility, you'll be able to book your appointment. Yesterday, Health Canada announced that the approval of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, the one that we are 
uh, have the most of here in the province is now approved for use in, in uh, young people down to the age of 12. And we are working with our BC Immunization Committee and our public health team to determine exactly how uh, then we can best um, immunize young people. And when the youth program is finalized, we will be providing all of the details to people. I would like also to share that we have had our first case of vaccine-induced immune thrombotic thrombocytopenia, or VIT, that we have seen um, around the world and across the country. And this was following uh, a rec receipt of an AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccination. And the person is a woman in their 40s. And she is stable and currently receiving treatment in hospital in Vancouver Coastal Health. This is something that we know is rare, but is associated with um, the AstraZeneca vaccines that we have been receiving here in Canada. Uh, the recent update of this safety signal with the information that we have from around the world is that the likelihood of this happening is about one in 100,000 doses. There is, however, a test that can help determine if you do have this syndrome, and there is treatment. But of course, recognizing symptoms and getting treatment early is important. And I know there are a lot of people who've received this vaccine. It's an important part of our program, particularly over the last few months as we've been dealing with this new surge in cases in our third wave. So while rare, the potential for this blood clot to develop is between the days generally, day four and day 28, around that period of time after you've received your vaccine. So if you have had a vaccine, any vaccine, and are feeling unwell, you can call 811, you can talk to your health care provider, particularly if you have symptoms that are concerning, such as a persistent severe headache, shortness of breath, chest pain or severe abdominal pain, and swelling or redness in a limb. These are things that should provoke you to get treatment and assessment right away. We can, however, be confident for those who have received the AstraZeneca vaccine here in BC that this is an excellent vaccine. It is safe and it is effective and we only need to look at places like the UK to see how effective it is in preventing transmission, making sure that you are protected yourself, but also protecting your family and those that you are closest to. And it is, as I mentioned, an important part of our program here in British Columbia, particularly at the time when we were um, managing this surge in our third wave. I recognize it can be alarming to hear of this blood clot. And if you are somebody who's received this vaccine, you need to know that it is rare and it is treatable. And you can be confident that you have received a safe and effective vaccine. I also am confident that all of our vaccines that we are using in our program here in BC and in Canada are being monitored carefully and the safety signal that we saw and what we've seen now with this person being our first case here in BC tells us that our safety monitoring system is working and we will continue to provide you information as it becomes available. My family and friends have received the AstraZeneca vaccine along with millions of others around the world. And I am confident that they have done the right thing to protect themselves and our community. Also want to remind people that our speak survey continues 
and will be uh, open for the next week or so. And so far, over 192,000 people in BC have completed it, but we want to get that number up, particularly if you're in the interior, in the north. We want to hear from you about how the pandemic and how the measures that have been put in place and the immunization program have affected you. And please help the seniors and elders in your life complete the survey and share their stories as well. So the SPEAK survey is available on the BCCDC website at bccdc.ca COVID-19 survey. It is incredibly encouraging to see our immunizations going up and our rates of transmission ever so slowly bending down. It's also so important that we started to see the impact of the measures we have been taking together in BC, meaning that hospitalizations and ICU admissions are also decreasing. This is a huge relief to many of us, to our colleagues who are working so diligently every day in the ICUs here. I had the privilege of visiting uh, the Surrey Memorial Hospital and the team there I know is doing everything they can to treat people and the fact that we're no longer seeing that surge of admissions is a tremendous relief for them too. And it shows that what we are doing here in BC right now is working. It is working to prevent transmission and to save lives. By continuing to follow all of our safety basics and for all of us to get our vaccine as soon as we are eligible, we will be one step closer to that point where COVID will no longer be disrupting our lives the way it has for this past year. When it is your turn to get your vaccine, take a photo and share it with your friends and family. Encourage them to get their shot too. By doing this, you're showing them that you have done your part to help protect them as well. And today, two billion doses will be in people's arms here in BC. We need to keep this momentum going. We are closer every day and we'll get there by continuing to follow the public health guidance that we have in place, by making sure we're staying small, by making sure we are not traveling for vacation or recreation, by wearing our masks and doing all of those things that we have been doing, and by getting vaccinated when our turn comes up, as it will for everybody in the coming weeks. And as well, we need to remember to continue to get us through this together by being kind and being calm and staying safe. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Henry. Thank you very much, Dr. Lee. Um, I want to start by acknowledging the person that uh, passed away and uh, related to COVID-19 in the last 24 hours in BC. The one uh, death reported was in the Interior Health Authority. and. Uh, everybody involved, but I think in this time of pandemic, these losses are felt um, profoundly. They're felt profoundly in both of our public health emergencies. And so I wanted to pass uh, on behalf of the Premier, the government, I think everyone in BC, my condolences to the family, the friends, and the caregivers of the person who passed away and all those who've lost loved ones during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, in the last, uh, we're happy to be in Surrey. Uh, obviously, um, uh, the, the teams at Fraser Health, not far from where I'm speaking, teams of contact tracers who are doing a remarkable job, not just identifying cases of COVID-19 and providing, but also providing support 
to people who test positive for COVID-19 and limiting transmission, the work they have been doing now for months, really onto a year, it has been heroic. And I want to pay tribute to everyone in Fraser Health who are involved in critical care, where our outcomes, though challenging because of the numbers of people involved, are not just the best, some of the best outcomes in Canada, but in the world in critical care, reflect, reflecting the quality of those teams. Dr. Lee and her team, all the people involved in the vaccination program and primary care in communities, all of the people involved in supporting all of the other people with all of the other mental health, addictions, physical health challenges that Fraser Health deals with every day. It's important to be here to recognize their work and to recognize what people are doing in this community of Surrey, in Fraser Health and across the province. Uh, today I can tell you that 2,179,000 people, 402 people have registered. Uh, on Monday morning that number was 2,001,823 people. So 178,000 people have registered over the last three days, reflecting a lot of the work done, not just by Fraser Health, but by people in the media, by uh, the community here in Fraser Health and in other health authorities, reaching out to people and encouraging them to register. And I want to say to people, this is the time to register, register, register. And when your moment comes to book your appointment for a COVID-19 vaccine yesterday, 52,000 266 doses were delivered in BC. That's a new record. And we will be setting more records in the coming weeks in terms of vaccination. So this is the time for everybody. I mean everybody, especially in communities that have higher rates of transmission, but everywhere in BC, everyone to register for their COVID-19 vaccine. I would note that the, the, the age for booking is going to be dropping precipitously over the next week. So registering puts you in position to get your vaccine first. And if I can repeat it one more time, register. As Dr. Henry has said, 1,995,496 doses have been delivered. That's 1,899,628 first doses are about 44% of those eligible because the number of people eligible is going to likely change soon. So that number will change and the number we use will change. But of the people currently eligible, and that is um, well ahead of where we thought we would be at this point. But uh, this is the time with doses arriving that we need you, everyone, to do their part and register. Because every time you get vaccinated, every time somebody gets vaccinated, everybody in BC is safer. I, want, I talked about the people uh, in acute care earlier, and I just wanted to bring a regular update uh, on uh, the surgical renewal commitment and where we stand. As you know, uh, there are 457 people hospitalized across BC. That number in uh, the Fraser Health Authority is 277. And while that number is slightly down from the 511 we saw a number of days ago, it's nonetheless very significantly too high. 154 people in critical care, twice as many as at the height of the COVID-19 first wave in, in April of 2020. And the work being done there is extraordinary, but we need fewer people in hospital. And that has an effect on all of the other care that we provide in hospital, as well as our healthcare workers, and of course, the patients in hospitals as well. Uh, for, for patients in hospital and their families, this is an incredibly challenging time. We have excellent health care staff in BC, and their commitment to care has been seen throughout the pandemic. To support our health care staff and continuing to deliver that care, several health authorities that have been most affected by the pandemic 
principally Fraser Health and Vancouver Coastal Health, have reduced surgeries in the last couple of weeks. This means a number of people who are waiting for non-urgent scheduled surgeries have had their surgery postponed. We know that every one of those surgeries is important and we are tracking every one of them. Uh, a year ago, when we made our surgical renewal commitment to patients, we said each of those pa thousands of patients would get their surgery. And we reported in March that 95% of them had received their surgery. To be clear, our surgical, our surgical renewal commitment is also to each one of our patients impacted by recent postponements. postponements. As soon as the COVID pressure on our hospital is reduced, each of those patients will get their surgery as well. Today we can report the number of surgeries postponed from April 26 to May 2nd was 421. That's 130 in Fraser Health, 242 in Vancouver Coastal Health, and 49 in Vancouver Island Health. It is important to note that no surgeries were postponed in Interior, Northern Health, or the Provincial Health Services Authority. This means in the period, the two-week period from April 19th to May 2nd, a total of 819 surgeries have now been postponed. Health authorities continue to provide urgent and emergent surgeries and where possible non-urgent surgeries as well. And to that key point, here is the week's surgical update for April 19th to the 25th. Health authorities completed 7,103 surgeries during that week of which 5,581 were scheduled and 1,522 were unscheduled surgeries. By health authorities, that's 1,991 in Fraser Health, 1,346 in Interior Health, 436 in Northern Health, 1,580 in Vancouver Coastal Health, 1,487 in Vancouver Island Health, and 263 in the Provincial Health Services Authority. Our indicators, uh, many of our indicators, of course, are moving in the right direction. As I said right now, about 44% of those eligible have had their first shot. We are moving very, very quickly in our vaccination rollout, particularly in communities such as Surrey. Getting vaccinated will not only help to protect ourselves, we will protect our loved ones and our communities. And as important, we'll reduce the COVID pressures on our hospitals and surgeries. It's essential that we get vaccinated. If you have not yet registered, if I have not mentioned that before, we must register now. When our turn comes, we'll be invited to book and we should book right away. We can go to the Get Vaccinated BC website or alternatively call 1-833-838-2323 to take that vital step in making ourselves and our communities safer and reducing the toll that COVID is taking on our hospitals and healthcare staff. It's been a long and tough fight against COVID-19, but continuing to use our COVID skills now and getting our shot as soon as we can will change the course of our pandemic and make the difference that we've all been hoping for. And with that, I want to invite uh, Dr. Henry uh, back to the podium and we're happy to take your questions. Thank you. Uh, as a reminder to reporters on the phone, please press star one to enter the queue. You will be limited to one question and one follow-up. Please also remember to take your phone off mute. You will not be audible until your name is called. Our first question today is from Katie DeRosa, Vancouver Sun. Katie, please go ahead. Just before uh, Katie... Um, I apparently have misspoke again. Uh, my apologies. I think I said there were 684 cases. Uh, uh, the total number is actually 694 new cases today. So I apologize for that. All right. Uh, no worries. With that, uh, Katie, uh, are you there? Would you like to go ahead? Yes. Yeah, 
Thank you, Dr. Henry. Um, the, the case of the, the blood clot involving the, uh, the woman in her 40s, how long after her vaccination did it take to, uh, for the symptoms to develop? Uh, did she go to hospital or what was the process for sort of recognizing those symptoms and, and getting treatment? Yes, yeah, so uh, her symptom onset was uh, several days after, and I it was around day five or day six. I I'm, don't have the exact date, and uh, the the symptoms were she followed up with her uh, family doctor, who recognized that this might be related, and did a blood test. So there is a blood test, and we've put out information um, to all physicians in British Columbia to remind them of the things to do, and uh, the symptoms to look for. So what we're talking about are clots in. in in sometimes arteries and um, or uh, veins in the body. So the pulmonary artery is a common one in the legs, in the arms. And the one that's quite unusual um, is not the case in this case, but is a, um, central venous uh, sinus thrombosis. So that's a blood clot in um, the veins in the brain. So uh, the blood test that was done, um, checks for platelets, and the platelets were low, and uh, the person was referred for treatment. So yes, it happened as it should happen, and I do want to remind clinicians that uh, it is important to have that index of suspicion and to do a, a, a CBC, a blood test, and to check for platelets in people that you have a concern about. And I think it's a, it's a testament to uh, um, the clinician thinking about it and pers this uh, person um, going early for treatment or for assessment of the symptoms that she was experiencing. Katie, did you have a follow-up question? Yes, please. Thank you. Are, are you concerned that this could, again, increase the preferential uh, uh, position towards uh, Pfizer and Moderna? As, you know, Nasty had said earlier this week, like, what do you, th uh, what are your concerns about this in increasing vaccine hesitancy or vaccine shopping? Yeah, so I think, you know, the reality is right now we have a lot of Pfizer vaccine and that's been the mainstay of our, our program, the Pfizer and Moderna, so the messenger RNA vaccines, and that is what we are receiving most of. We have received a really important amount of uh, AstraZeneca that was used, as we know, over the months of March and April when we had a very small amount of uh, vaccine otherwise. So it has played an incredibly important part of our program. Um, we are not expecting a lot more of the AstraZeneca to come in. So in some ways, it's a bit of a moot point. But I do want to reassure those people that have received um, the AstraZeneca vaccine in the last few weeks and months, it is an excellent vaccine. And we only have to look at places like the UK to see how beneficial it has been at helping stop the outbreaks that we've been seeing. We've used a lot of this vaccine uh, to help with the outbreak in Whistler, for example, and uh, it is very effective and safe. So we do also want to make sure that people are monitoring for these unusual and rare symptoms. And I know that many people have had a lot of anxiety about that. So take a deep breath and be reassured that this is rare, that physicians know what to do, and that if you have any concerns, that you contact your, your health care provider, you can go to the emergency department if it's severe, and also you can call 811 and we can get you assessed and treated if needed. Our next question comes from Richard Zussman, Global. Uh, Richard, go ahead, please. Uh, Dr. Henry, I'm sure you've heard uh, even while you were in Surrey, that a number of people in the community continue to call for a more concerted effort for vaccinations in Surrey. 
doing something like we've seen in Prince Rupert or other communities in terms of opening up for all age groups across the entire city. Is that something that at this point would still be considered, uh, considering I think it's still one of the hottest spots in the province? It is, and we've seen uh, a number of things happening, and especially in the high-risk communities, and we've identified those, and I know Fraser Health has been looking at where we need to target people to be immunized and to uh, to get registered and get into that immunization stream. And we'll continue to look at those uh, uh, high-risk CHSAs across the province, so it's not just in, in Syria, though a large number of them are here. But what we have learned, of course, is that it's a very different thing to target a community with hundreds of thousands of people versus a community with a few thousand people. Um, so we need to use different strategies to make sure that people are able to get into the clinics in an efficient way. And I know Fraser Health is doing a good job at that, an amazing job of that, um, just by the, the numbers of people who have been immunized in the next few days. And you will see that ramped up with a focus on those high-risk communities that we know are here, um, particularly here in Surrey. Um, they've started today some um, kiosks to get people registered and some mobile, mobile units to get people registered. And for some people, that may mean even a same-day appointment at the clinics that are running and running efficiently here in the, in the city. So yes, we are continuing to focus on, on doing what we can to um, get people immunized as quickly as possible in Surrey. I don't know if anybody else wants to? So I, th I think it's um, especially important for people in Syria. There'll be more information later today in terms of the targeting, but it's there is going to be opportunities in Syria to be vaccinated, and the key to it, the absolute key to it, is to register and when invited to book to book. And I really want to emphasize that, in particular here in Syria, but everywhere in BC, but in particular in Syria, we are. Uh, we've had a lot of success in the last number of days, as I mentioned, the registration numbers, the specific efforts by Fraser Health and the whole community here in Surrey, the efforts led by the Premier uh, across the province. We've seen a significant uptake in the last few days in registration, but I really encourage people to register when they get a chance to book, to book right away. So because we are going to be able, we are going to be moving through the age cohorts very quickly, particularly in hotspot areas. And uh, Dr. Baum and her team will be updating that through health authorities later today, particular community health service areas that are in question. But I think uh, here in Surrey, the uh, frontline workers have been given priority in Surrey. That's important. Uh, we're going to be giving priority to Surrey more than any other uh, large community in the province because what's happening here in Surrey is obviously significant in terms of transmission and vaccination is one of the ways that we can address that. It's not the only way though and we all have to continue to follow uh, the guidance of public health, the guidance and, the, and of course the pr public health orders that are in place. Uh, Richard, did you have a follow-up question? Yeah, just quickly on, on two points here. Uh, there continues to be some advocacy for those who are receiving cancer treatment to uh, bump up for their second dose. Uh, is there any consideration being given uh, to shorten the length of time between first and second dose? And also, has there been any concerns around uh, shingles linked uh, to the AstraZeneca vaccine? Um, I'll talk about the second one. I'm not aware of any concerns about shingles linked to any vaccine, um, let alone the AstraZeneca vaccine. 
Um, so no, um, shingles, as people may know, is the reactivation of uh, chickenpox virus, uh, varicella virus that uh, is in one's body. And it can come when people are um, worn out or immune suppressed. So it is more common as we get older. So it would not surprise me that of the millions of people who've been immunized that uh, some of them will have developed shingles around that period of time, um, but not associated with the vaccine specifically that I'm aware of. And, and yes, we of course are monitoring um, the data around uh, people's immune responses and particularly for people who are undergoing uh, cancer treatments, who are on immune therapy, people who are older whose immune responses may not last as long. But I think it's very important to put um, the one limited study in context. And what it showed was that uh, for some people receiving cancer treatments, they don't mount as strong an antibody response after the first dose. And importantly, many of them do not uh, mount a strong antibody response after the second dose as well, as many as 40% of, of the people in this small study. So what that tells us is the same thing that we've been seeing all along, that it is more important that we make sure we are decreasing transmission in our community. That better protects everybody, even people who don't mount as good an immune response, as opposed to trying to bump up individuals' um, personal immune response. So we need to find that balance and so we will be continuing to offer first doses to as many people as possible and then we will be um, moving on to second doses and as with the vaccine that we have coming in and with the um, decreasing of our age-based program so rapidly in the next few weeks we will be able to move up second doses I believe for most people starting very soon. Okay our next question comes from Justine Hunter of the Globe and Mail. Go ahead please. Justine, are you there? Uh, Justine, you might be on mute, so I'll give you one last opportunity. And if not, uh, we're going to go to our next question. Uh, our next question is from Shannon Patterson of CTV. Shannon, please go ahead, please. Oh, hi, Dr. Henry. Uh, I know the match studies are happening right now, and we're waiting results for that. If they don't find any adverse health effects, will people in British Columbia who had AstraZeneca first be automatically given Pfizer or Moderna? Or will they be given choice? Because I do think that there will be some hesitancy for some people to take a second of AstraZeneca today. Yeah, a really good question. And uh, I know some people have concerns about using that term mix and match. And it, it is something that uh, is an important consideration because there may be benefits to using two different types of vaccines. And one of the things that we are learning is that the AstraZeneca vaccines um, do seem to have a stronger uh, cell-mediated immunity response, those, those cells that help us have a long-term memory. So it may be an advantage to have one of each of the types of vaccines that we have available now. But we don't know the answer to that yet. So we are watching those things very carefully. We have studies here in Canada that people in BC are taking part on. But the one that's farthest ahead is the one we've talked about in the UK. So we will be receiving some data, we hope from that, um, by the end of May is what it's looking like. So that will help us understand whether there's any advantages or disadvantages. And um, that will be important. But no, what we, what we will give people is a choice. 
We know that the AstraZeneca vaccine has, is a great vaccine and it works well and it stimulates the immune system in a certain way. Um, so people who uh, have received the AstraZeneca vaccine, they can receive the second dose with AstraZeneca or um, there may be the option of having that choice of receiving a messenger RNA vaccine as the second dose and we'll be watching that really carefully. I will say that the risk of this um, immune response that leads to this uh, VIT uh, phenomenon seems to be primarily with the first dose. There have been a very small number of cases identified after dose two, but much, much less risk. It seems that uh, if you're going to have that immune response, it happens the first time uh, you receive the vaccine. But we are continuing to watch that as well. Justine, did you have a follow-up question? It's Shannon, and uh, yeah, I have a question apologies, for Shannon, a colleague. Uh, now that the BCCDC has updated its guidelines acknowledging airborne transmission of COVID, will you clarify public messaging and encourage opening windows and doors for ventilation and also provide greater access to N95 masks that teachers and nurses have been asking for? So I think uh, I think we need to be. We have always said there is a continuum of droplets, and uh, we have and they are spread um, through the air. What we are not seeing is what we call traditional airborne transmission, which is uh, sort of colloquially we say transmission around corners or through ventilation systems, and that is not the main way. We do not see that um, with uh, COVID nineteen, except in rare circumstances where, as you say, people are indoors, where there's very poor ventilation, there's large numbers of people, where there can be uh, lots of aerosols generated. So it is really um, opportunistic, I guess, uh, for these aerosols to be uh, in sufficient quantity with sufficient virus that it will be transmitted. That's not the usual way. And we know that. We know that from how we see um, outbreaks happening, transmission events happening between people. So the, the infection prevention and control advice that we have is the same. And it means absolutely we need to pay attention to ventilation. And that's important. We've known that's important for a long time. And I think the wording, particularly on the BCCDC website, has been appropriately updated to reflect that, to reflect the circumstances where the risk is greater. And we do absolutely have respirators, N95 respirators, for healthcare workers. And they know how to use them um, with the appropriate precautions in place in an infection prevention and control point of care risk assessment in our healthcare systems. There's no evidence to support that in the community wearing respirators is, is needed uh, for this virus. And we see that effective use of masks in indoor settings and appropriate ventilation is really important and minimizing the amount of time that you're spending indoors, particularly with large numbers of people that are outside of your household. Our next question comes from Lisa Yuzda, News 1130. Lisa, please go ahead. I'm wondering either Dr. Henry or Minister Dix, can you talk about, you mentioned that there's more details coming later, but I'm wondering if you can give a bit more indication. Uh, you know, you're in Surrey, we've seen the numbers stay high in Surrey. People are wondering what's being missed, either with educating people, with getting to communities, with making it easy for them to get their vaccination and follow protocols. What is being missed in the message getting to people who need to have it in that community and what is being done to try and alter that. 
Yeah, I, I don't know that anything's being missed. We have the largest numbers of people here. They work in, in many of our essential workplaces. People need to work in, and some of the uh, the more high risk workplaces are here in in this part of the province. So those are some of the things that lead to transmission. We know that many people in this community live in in multi generational homes with large numbers of people in their families, and that means that transmission in a family can happen very rapidly. So in terms of immunization, the immunization rates, the percentage of people immunized is actually very high here, but we need to do more because the population is larger here. So those are the things that we're continuing to focus on now that we finally have enough vaccine to be able to really ramp up the program. So um, that will be important in the next few weeks and we have started to see already um, things coming down in this community and we want that to continue. Thank you so much. Um, I think as Dr. Henry mentioned, there's unique areas within Surrey and Fraser Health region, such as essential workers and, and sometimes very vulnerable disadvantaged populations that where it's not easy for people to get away to get the immunizations or whether 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 they're they're can be uh, difficulties in terms of having protection at workplace uh, to prevent transmission as well. So all of that together has led to greater uh, number of cases and transmission in our setting. Uh, I do believe, however, it's important to remove every barrier possible to ensure that everybody registers and gets immunized as quickly as possible. We have put enormous amount of effort with our community partners and provincial leadership and support to get everyone registered as quickly as possible and get every in eligible person immunized as quickly as possible. Nothing would make me happier than all of uh, Surrey being protected um, and of course for our healthcare providers to have that done and for us to do that we need to ensure that um, everybody's registered and gets their immunization as quickly as possible and Fraser Health is finding new ways to do so in today's announcement. I think we had uh, information bulletin going out about uh, supporting registrations and this is building on the work that we've done with Gurdwaras and community or organizations and partners where we're going to outreach into different areas where we're seeing lower registration and trying to get boost that up and enhance that uh, and accelerate as quickly as possible. Yeah, and just briefly, in the two Surrey um, uh, local health areas, 233 and 234, uh, we now have uh, 220,000 uh, 22,000 people immunized as of yesterday and uh, that number obviously grows every day. Syria was first in terms of education workers and that's for good reason. Even if many of those education workers or anyone working in workplaces in Syria uh, may not live in Syria or may not all live in Syria, they obviously are connected to this community and to transmission in this community. So uh, Syria was first in terms of all of those groups of frontline workers and they're going to continue to be as we continue to focus on different groups of frontline workers, for example, grocery workers and also focus on areas what are called hotspots. We identified uh, 13 were identified by Dr. Henry two weeks ago, six of those uh, community health service areas were in uh, were in Surrey. You can see a continuing and strong focus on doing exactly what people are asking us to do, which is to focus more vaccine in Surrey in the in the coming week and uh, in the coming uh, few weeks. And that's what you're seeing. The most important question, though, regardless of the, all of those strategies, is that the people of Surrey and people everywhere else 
register for their vaccine. That allows you access as age rates drop in both hotspot areas and for the for the public as a whole, that people are eligible to get their vaccine, that they get registered and they get their vaccine. And that's the message that the Premier has been delivering um, this week uh, in this community, in Surrey and many other communities, and we want to deliver today. If you live in Surrey, get registered, and when you're invited to book, book your vaccine. There will be a ton of opportunities to do so in the next week or so. Uh, thank you, Lisa. Did you have a follow-up question? Yes, I know you did the pop-up clinics. I'm wondering, are we going to see things like, you know, somebody mentioned like ice cream trucks driving around doing, you know, door-to-door -door sort of vaccination. And we know I'm, we're hearing that more AstraZeneca is coming to Canada in the coming weeks. Are we going to see that or perhaps even uh, Pfizer or Moderna that people can get at pharmacies in hotspot communities? Yeah, so the uh, you you remind me of a far side cartoon of the uh, the ice cream man giving out vaccines, and um, it, it's not probably quite that uh, um, door to door, but absolutely going door to door and registering people, and then providing them with the means of getting to the clinics. I think one of the things that um, we have found is that the the way the clinics are set up, they can scale up re and be very efficient and very fast and get people through safely. Um, in a variety of ways, so it's it's very efficient for us to do that. And I know Fraser has positioned these clinics in areas where people can access them. But the door-to-door -door bit will be um, some of the things uh, I've been hearing about today, where there's kiosks that are moving in different parts of the community to register people, and in some cases, people will be eligible for vaccine that day if there's appointments available at the clinic, and there'll be means to to support people uh, to be transported to the clinic. So those are all things that we're working on. Um, yes, there'll be more AstraZeneca. We're looking at where it fits into the program now. Uh, you know, it has been an incredibly important part of our program in the last few months. Um, but as more and more Pfizer has come in and we have our clinic system running, um, it may uh, be in a different, uh, we may use it in a different way. And, and one of the things that we are looking at, of course, is Johnson & Johnson is uh, in Canada and uh, we're hoping it will be released for use very soon. Um, that's a single shot vaccine and there's a lot of advantages about that vaccine because it is fridge stable, it can be um, given out in pharmacies and we can give it to people where it's going to be challenging for them to come back for a second dose. So those are the things that we're looking at. Um, we do expect that we will have uh, some of our program through pharmacies um, in the future. It's slightly different. Um, in that uh, getting the information into the data system and being able to um, titrate where vaccine goes. And we saw that when we were doing this with the AstraZeneca, that it's uh, much more complicated to uh, get vaccine distributed to uh, hundreds of pharmacies versus the efficiency that we get in doing it with our clinics around the province. So yes, we are looking at how to do that, particularly for second doses once we get to that point um, in the next few months but uh, the details of that will be worked out with the pharmacies and the pharmacy associations and Dr. Ballum's team in the next few weeks. All right, for our next question, we're going to go to Justine Hunter of the Globe and Mail. Justine, please go ahead. Hi, can you hear me this time? We can. 
Yes, okay, thank you. Uh, your colleague, Dr. Lee, was talking about some of the challenges in Surrey. I'm wondering about the factor that a, a lot of workers do not have sick pay. Um, and, uh, and is that a contributing factor to what's going on in Surrey, do you think? And uh, would sick pay be a good public health policy? I will say from a public health perspective, it is something I have been advocating for for over a year. Absolutely. It is an important part of of uh, workers having the agency to stay home when they're sick. And we know it's an important part of preventing workplace outbreaks. Um, and this is something that we know uh, our Premier and the government here um, has been advocating for with the federal government. And I know, um, and I'll turn it over to the minister, but I know they have been also discussing about uh, filling that gap, I guess, where uh, the the uh, federal program is not working as well for people. But it is an important thing about being able to stay home. And, and you know, part of our strategy around trying to support and protect workers in their workplaces, uh, we recognized this last year that there are many workplaces where people just do not have the ability to stay home um, for a whole variety of reasons. Um, they need the money. They don't have sick pay. Um, it's not easy to, to stay home from certain jobs. And it is incumbent on uh, the uh, owners and operators of many workplaces to make sure that um, they keep all of their workers safe by ensuring that people who are sick are able to stay away and not pass it on with the, and not transmit it within the workplace. And we have been focusing our work with WorkSafe BC, our environmental health officers across the province who do this on a day-to-day -day basis to make sure that COVID safety plans are in place to protect workers in their workplaces across the province. Very short answer, Justine, yes, and uh, I think you can stay tuned to hear from uh, uh, my colleague, Sir Newton, MLA, and Minister of Labour, Harry Baines, and the Premier on this question uh, in, in the next uh, short while on sick pay. As Dr. Henry has said there, of course, is more to dealing with workplace transmission than that, but it's an important element and, and will be of great assistance right now. Uh, I would say that our workplace campaigns that here in Fraser Health, uh, Fraser Health has been leading WorkSafe BC, are, uh, have been helpful and effective in supporting businesses both when transmission occurs, and you've seen the strategic use of vaccination over the last number of months, the priority vaccination given to people in high transmission industries such as food uh, processing and, uh, and agriculture. And so uh, all of that uh, is part of a strategy we need to do to reduce transmission in workplaces. And those efforts, those COVID safety plans that have been in place for a while have been key to that. But uh, there's no question. That's uh, why the Premier has been advocating for sick pay, a national program for sick pay, which in our, our view would make the most sense, and why he's made it clear that he'll be uh, leading steps to fill the gap in the absence of that. Justine, did you have a follow-up question? I do, thanks. And it's again for Dr. Henry. Um, NASI was given information this week on uh, the mix and match vaccines. Um, when do you expect British Columbians, those who have had the AstraZeneca or Shield for their first shot, when will they have a clear answer about what their booster will be, especially given that you noted we're not expecting a lot more AstraZeneca here in B.C.? 
Yeah, so I, I did speak to that a little bit earlier. Um, we are we have had some preliminary results, um, but or some preliminary data, but not results yet from the UK studies. And there's a, a study uh, continuing in, in Canada, but it won't read out, as we call it, for uh, some weeks to months yet. Um, so I expect that we'll have uh, some better understanding from the UK study by the end of this month. And uh, as I said earlier, Earlier, it will be a choice for people. We will uh, ensure that we have enough uh, of the um, AstraZeneca vaccines so that people have the choice of receiving that as their second shot. We know that there are some that it's a very effective vaccine and that the risk of these uh, very rare blood clots are very low. Um, but. Um, I'm hopeful that uh, people will be able to have that choice about receiving a messenger RNA vaccine or a second dose of the AstraZeneca. All right, our next question today comes from Jawad Siddiqui of Connect FM. Jawad, please go ahead. Hi, thank you. Uh, reference to vaccine registration kiosks in Surrey, Dr. Henry. Uh, will it help to have these kiosks at places of worship like uh, Kurduwaras, mandirs, and mosques, for instance, to boost vaccine registration and overcome any uh, community-specific vaccine hesitancy? Any plans to do that? I'm going to uh, talk to Dr. Lee for that one, but uh, I think the answer is yes. <laughs> Definitely, and uh, we've been engaging with community leaders and uh, um, and uh, community partners throughout this. And uh, one of the areas that we focused on is registering and increasing accessibility for vaccines through uh, places of worship. In fact, uh, gurdwaras have been used through community partners. And uh, last weekend, we've uh, done registration there and going in actually with immunizations uh, in the coming days as well. So those will be ongoing efforts, and that'll be in addition to some of the other areas that we mentioned that are highly accessible, like malls, uh, some of the grocery stores, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, definitely that's an area that uh, we are expanding very rapidly in. And uh, Jawad, did you have a follow-up question? I do, thank you. And um, I was also wondering if there has been any assessment on governments or maybe uh, public health part as to why uh, there is low registration rate in racialized community. Perhaps Dr. Lee or Dr. or Minister Dix can answer that. Thank you. Okay, I can start. Um, uh, yeah, you know, we we are looking. We've taken advice, uh, and especially this week, we've had a number of meetings. Uh, the Premier has, the Minister and I have, um, and I know uh, Fraser Health has as well, with community leaders, with leaders from different uh, uh, different groups, um, both here in Fraser Health but around the province, to try and better understand how do we reach out to certain groups because it's not just in Surrey. Um, we certainly have seen uh, uh, in the Chinese community, there's questions. And so it is about how do we um, provide the information that people need to make that uh, that choice, that decision for themselves, and then make sure that uh, both the registration is easy and we can support people to do it, and the vaccine is accessible. So there's a whole variety of reasons, and I think it varies a little bit by different communities. Um, we're expanding our efforts to make sure that, uh, that information that people need is available in a language that uh, that speaks to them uh, and from people who speak to them. Yeah, I think uh, I think Dr. Henry has said it well. We obviously have to continue the reaching out that's gone on really over the entire year to ensure that um, 
our message is heard by everyone and we receive feedback and that feedback guides our uh, how we approach different communities. I think we're seeing, um, we've seen really in the period in particular, uh, October, November, December, in that period uh, where there were issues around transmission, I think great uh, leadership, for example, in the South Asian community. Uh, very significant leadership in the Chinese Canadian community, but other communities as well that have stepped up and delivered those messages around transmission and physical distancing and all of the steps that we need to take. And, uh, and we need to really um, double down on all of that now. And I think we've seen that in particular this week, but in the last number of weeks, a uh, real effort to get registrations up everywhere, and particularly in, as you note, in, in racialized communities. And I think it's starting to have success, but we've got to just continue to work. And every, every time someone delivers that message, whether it's on, um, on social media, in the regular media, or to people and their families and friends, we need to contact people. And if they need help to be registered, get them registered. And uh, we need to otherwise encourage them to register, because this is, uh, this is an important period. Every single person in BC, every single one, is going to have an access, access to, a, to their COVID-19 vaccine before the end of June and probably before. And uh, I think um, this is the time to get registered so you can get that access at the soonest possible moment. And that's particularly important to all of these efforts. And I think as well in the efforts led by the Premier this week in listening and learning and applying what we've been told by communities as well, which has gone out throughout the pandemic, but on registration is particularly important now. All right, we have time for one more question. For everyone listening, Dr. Henry and Minister Dix will release a statement this afternoon with the latest information on cases, hospitalizations, and outbreaks, which you can find at news.gov.bc.ca. Our last question today is from Tanya Fletcher, CBC. Please go ahead. Thank you. And if we could get an answer in French from both questions, that would be great. Um, talking about the community outreach uh, as online registrations curtail, are you able to quantify how successful this tactic has been so far in terms of logistics of getting shots into arms? And would you consider ditching the online approach altogether if it's running out of steam and maybe we simply register people as they get vaccinated like the pop-up clinics did to avoid that step? Uh, well, actually, no. The, the short answer is no. Um, the online part is actually really important and really simple, and we are finding that most people are registering online. So the backup is the uh, is the number, and it's a provincial system. So what that does is it it puts people's names and and ages into our provincial system that allows us to titrate exactly how much vaccine goes to which clinic on which day. So that's how we. Um, the system is not just about um, you um, individually uh, having electronic record. It's about how we manage the flow of vaccine and how we manage the flow of clinics. So when you register online, that information follows, uh, it goes, uh, vaccine is designated uh, for you to that clinic and when you go to that clinic all of your information is there and so it makes it very efficient we know that there's exactly it's like reserving your vaccine in your clinic um, and then that information goes automatically into our provincial immunization registry so the system recognizes when you're due for dose two and will notify you for that as well so it is a very complicated system um, but it is an effective system we've had some glitches as you know 
um, over the last uh, few weeks as we wanted additional functionality for the online part of it. Um, but really, uh, you know, whether you phone in, that person does the online piece for you essentially. So doing it online, registering online means it's a seamless um, system that allows us to get the right uh, vaccine to the right place to the right clinic with your name on it essentially. And just the numbers we've actually had in terms of registration, three of our best days uh, in the last number of weeks. I mean, in the first days, obviously, when you launch a new system, there's a lot of registrations. But we've gone from uh, 2 million and 1,000 on Monday to 2,179,000. It was 178,600 registrations in three days since the Premier started leading his efforts in registration, but not just the Premier, uh, many community groups as well. So I think those efforts are bearing fruit. I express my appreciation for people in the media, both uh, uh, different language media and uh, and. Uh, uh, and all of the media really who have been, uh, I think, providing the information uh, that's necessary. And just remind people, if you don't want to um, register online, you can call us at 1-833-838-2323. Je dirais que les dernières trois jours étaient des journées, parmi les journées les plus importantes en termes de, de registration d'inscription dans la province dans notre pro programme de vaccination. On a eu 180 000 nouveaux uh, uh, gens et personnes inscrits dans la province, ce qui est une augmentation importante. Il faut continuer, il faut uh, uh, mettre le double sur cette idée. Je pense que c'est important maintenant que tout le monde uh, s'enregistre et je pense que ça va être de plus en plus possible. Donc, on peut le faire uh, sur l'Internet, bien entendu, mais aussi uh, sur le téléphone et j'encourage tout le monde de, de, de s'inscrire dans notre programme de vaccination. Tanya, did you have a follow-up question? Yes, thanks. Uh, Quebecers will soon have electronic proof of vaccination. A QR code will be emailed to everyone who's been vaccinated. Uh, it's not clear what this uh, scannable code would be used for, but is this something that is being considered in BC as well? Well, we're talking with our colleagues across the country, and as you've heard uh, Minister Hadou uh, explain, uh, Canada is also working internationally to understand what a vaccine passport might be. Um, it, it's not something that we've looked at, uh, specifically a QR code, um, but we do have every vaccine registered in our provincial immunization registry, and that's another thing that comes with this system that we've built around it, is that you will have access to your um, immunization record electronically. Um, so that's important for you to know what vaccine you received and when, um, and when uh, what your second vaccine is as well. Um, we have not um, moved ahead with how we might use something like that, and, and I don't believe we will be uh, using anything like a vaccine passport in, in, uh, in British Columbia. And I know our colleagues across the country, we've been talking about this. So uh, whether it's for personal use, um, 
Um, I'm not sure what uh, the Kip plans are in Quebec, um, but we are looking at making sure that people do have access and uh, to their own information, their own health information. And I know there'll be an international need uh, for some sort of a, a probably for a period of time until um, for some sort of a vaccine passport, so to speak, uh, for international travel, most likely until that time um, that we have people safely immunized around the world. And right now, it reflects the, uh, a major inequity in access to vaccines in many countries around the world. And you know, I know here in Canada, we're looking at how can we support immunization through th um, things like the COVAX initiative. Juste pour dire, je pense que le gouvernement fédéral est en train de, de travailler sur ce point. Mon co ma collègue, la ministre Paddy Hadou, est en train de, faire, de mener ce travail avec ses, ses collègues au sein du gouvernement fédéral. Ce qui est important ici, c'est que tout le monde va avoir accès à leur propre bilan de vaccination. C'est pour cette raison qu'on a développé un tel système, un système euh, cher mais utile, qui va être utile pas seulement pendant cette pandémie, mais à l'avenir. Donc tout le monde va, va avoir accès à leur propre bilan de vaccination. C'est essentiel pour la province et pour des individus, cet accès euh, à nos propres... Euh, bilan euh, en, en termes de vaccination et je pense que euh, on, on peut construire sur cette base euh, euh, dans les mois à venir, mais j'espère que l'effort national va être un, un effort national euh, et, euh, et nous en Colombie-Britannique, nous avons toute l'intention de le soutenir. Thank you very much. Thank you to Dr. Lee. Thank you to Dr. Henry and thank you to Fraser Health for having us here today. Thanks. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks everyone for joining. This show has been produced by Depictions Media. Please contact us at depictions.media for more information.